LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hey, Ask Me Anything, friends. Before we jump into the question for today, I wanted to tell you about something our friends at PortableChurch.com, some things they're offering uh, that I think for a lot of you could be really helpful. You know, it's well known that planting new churches and campuses, it really is the most effective way of reaching the lost. Um, It's a much higher percentage of uh, lost people that come to a new campus or a new church. And we also know that launching and rented venues like schools and theaters is one of the most cost-effective ways to launch a new church. If you're planning a launch or you're trying to figure out how to do church well in a rented venue, I would encourage you you to check out our friends at Portable Church. That team over there is very well experienced. They've helped a lot of churches of, of different sizes. They're able to take your vision and create an engaging environment that will not only serve your production needs, but also help your volunteer retention stay pretty high and get you where you can spend more energy, not on setting up chairs, but on, on actual ministry. So go to portablechurch.com lifeway, where you can learn more and find free customized resources that will teach you how to launch both portable and strong. And now I hope you enjoy Ask Me Anything. Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. I'm Matt Love. I'm here with J.D. Greer, and I have got an unbelievable question for you today. Uh, J.D., should Christians be concerned about global warming? Global warming. Global warming. Or climate change. Your call. I want, you know, you I, use Probably the more technically correct thing now is to call it climate change, yeah. I, I believe is what so all we'll the go experts with, so would say. Should Christians be concerned about climate well, change? Well, that totally changes my answer now that you're reversing <laughs> it. All right. Well, okay. So obviously this is a tricky issue yep. and one that I just want to acknowledge. I'm a pastor. I'm not a scientist. This, okay? is, this goes in the, the category of podcast that Flash we like to call. It, not a scientist. Is not a scientist podcast. But. <laughs> I think also that went on with, uh, are there aliens or yeah. can we do time travel? Or, aliens is even, it's not even, you're not a scientist. Also just not like a sci-fi writer. There's really no category that works for that one. But. All right. So I, I don't want to be a broken record, but when it comes to wisdom, a lot of times wisdom is found between two tension points. Yeah. And this is one of those. I will say right up front, some listeners may be frustrated because they want me to give a more definite answer. And what I'm going to do is major. I'll give a few hints here and there, but I'm going to major on these two tension points because this is where I think Christians should agree, even when they disagree on the finer applications of some of them. Okay. So one of those tension points is God has made us responsible to care for creation. Um, I mean, it's, there's just no question about it. When he puts man in the garden to tend and to keep it, we are the, um, the gardener. There is a care that we, we, we extend as part of being a good steward. Um, and so when it comes to my own property, private property, God expects me to be a good steward of that property, and it comes to us when we're thinking about the the land that we live in and the earth that we inhabit. But the other pole is that the earth was created for the benefit of humans. And that means that God created the earth with the resources to be able to make human beings thrive. And as a result, um, we are not a cancer on the earth. We're not a fever or a virus, as many environmentalists like to say, that the earth was created for humans. God put us here, and this was to be the garden that we lived in, and it was to be the place that we we thrive. Well, that means that any solution that I have on tension point one, on caring for creation, has to be done with respect to number two, because there are certainly some environmental strategies for creation care that just seem to fail to take into account that God had created the earth for our benefit and that we ought to, you know, use it accordingly. Now, some things that would just harm the economy, you know, too much. And these two poles correspond to two mandates we have in Genesis. 
God gives to, to, to man the mandate that they're supposed to subdue the earth, the dominion mandate. The other mandate is that we're supposed to care for the earth like a garden. So this, these tensions are introduced in Genesis 1, and wisdom is found by, by balancing and, and managing the both of them. When it comes to the application of those two, I think there is room for Christians to to disagree. I mean, because these are not biblical things like where where we say, well, God, Jesus has, you know, Jesus gave us a verse on CO2 emissions. You know, it's just <laughs> there's room for disagreement. I think what's undeniable is that there has been, you know, specifically some warming. Hmm. I think where you start to disagree is, is, is it cyclical? You know, is this something that, that happens over the spans of hundreds of years? And if so, how much of that contributes to what we're experiencing now and how much of it is human caused? Um, I think it's hard to deny that it is cyclical. It's also hard to deny based on, again, I'm not a scientist, but the things that I've seen that human beings are contributing somewhat. You know, we can handle that disagreement, but we can still insist on the tension points and say, you know, what does that mean? Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I think because I, I think in this we do when we start we start talking about solutions, there does tend to be kind of going on. You end up on one of those other one of those two things where some people just say, hey, we have to figure this out because we're supposed to care for creation. Right. But it does kind of tend to shift over to this. We're the problem. This is we're kind of messing everything yeah. up, which. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's really good. Our friend Russ Moore, who is the head of the ERLC, which is. stands for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, which oh. is something that for Southern Baptists is is. Uh, a, a group that both represents us to the government and also informs us about a lot of things. Russ Moore, um, I think he's got a really good perspective on this. He says, you know, scripture doesn't lay out for us a legislative bl- blueprint for every possible environmental problem. He points to two kind of extremes in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. You got some Christians who, you know, they shrug their shoulders and they cite the dominion clause in the book of Genesis where, you know, it's like uh, the earth was created for man and we can do what we want. We can do what we want. And then, so, you know, they'll, they'll put the bumper sticker in their car that says earth first, we'll pave the other planets later. I've you know? never seen one of those, but that's <laughs> kind of hilarious. That's, okay, that's right. I right, see so you looking it up on Amazon right now. Yeah. See if you can order yeah. one. Um, other Christians, just as, just as, you know, just as casually, they wrinkle their brows. They cite the stewardship clause of Genesis, how we should care um, for for creation. And they propose, you know, what would Jesus drive? Uh, you know, bumper stickers that they're going to put not only on their Prius, but they're going to put it on your SUV when you're not looking. And so since you abide uh, by the tensions, you have one of each bumper sticker on either side of your that is car. Correct. That's just the, yeah, that's there right. Well, actually what I have is I have a big old SUV, but I have a, you can press a button and a Prius drops out as an escape pod. Oh, there you go. So it's just, everybody's happy. Best All of right. both worlds. Well, Russ says, and I agree, both extremes are wrong. To use Jesus as a mascot for a, for that specific of a political program, honestly, it dilutes his witness. Because when Jesus gets tied to whatever it is that you're passionate about, you can always take a principle from the Bible and then explain why it's informing your position. But when you tie the Bible to that position and you know, draw in a straight line instead of a dotted line, you just dilute. Jesus shouldn't be tied to all those things. That's you trying to act in good conscience, but it's, it's not, I wouldn't just put God's name on it because I want God's name to be reserved for the things that I can say, you know, thus says the Lord. Plus, you know, here's something, and, and I want to be you know careful here because I don't want to overstate this, but you ever, you ever heard Matt of the Baptist and bootlegger principle? No. It, okay. So back in the days of prohibition, there was a strange alliance between the Baptist and the bootleggers, both of whom wanted to outlaw alcohol, but for entirely different reasons. The Baptists wanted to do it for convictional reasons. It's bad. You shouldn't drink. It's harmful. Bootleggers wanted to do it because if they outlawed it, then they, they could make all money. the money. And yeah. that's, you know, the mafia and all that kind of stuff. So you found this strange alliance between them and realized that a lot of the money that went into actually causing prohibition was always done by the mouthpiece of Baptists, but it was done with the money of bootleggers. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of, of people have, I think, accurately drawn parallels between 
some of the environmental agenda and some people who are like the bootleggers coming in because whether it's anti-capitalist or whether it's you just you know, very socialistic, I mean, you know, they're kind of they found a new face for an old agenda. And I think that it's wise to have some caution about that and say, what's really driving this? What's why is this policy being pushed so hard when it's really going to harm the economy? Is this, you know, a backdoor for something else? I, I don't think you use that as a club, but I think it's just, it's just part of being wise in it. Russ uh, says uh, to get back to his thought here, he says a concern that he has on one side is this, what he calls an evangelical utopianism, which kind of assumes that Ultimately, if we can save the earth, um, you know, we can restore Eden by through through legislation. He, he's suspicious of that as kind of this like, oh, this is salvation. Let's go back to Eden. And um, it's, you know, the path of, of redemption is laid out by Al Gore. We live in a cursed universe, he points out. Romans 8 says that. We live in a cursed universe and all of creation groans and toil. That includes the earth itself. Um, it doesn't mean that we simply just give the earth over and say, well, you know, it's, we're under a curse. So just the way it is, any more than we would tell a woman in labor, hey, there's no nothing to deal with your pain. You know, it's, we, we try to alleviate those effects, but we recognize that there's some sense in which we can never escape those. And it means we understand that there are limits. There are limits to how much we can save the world. God has not called us to sustain it for the next million years. You mean, you know, we have to be wise, but we have to understand that ultimately it's, it's him. Um, the world was created for humans. Um, Russ points that out. It's, it's, you know, it's human as humanity is not a cancer. Uh, one of the things I love about, 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 uh, what Russ pointed out here is he says the earth is longing for something and what it's longing for is a man. And that man is the Lord Jesus. And that the Lord Jesus is ultimately going to reverse the curse. Uh, he says, that's why gospel proclamation is the most farsighted form of environmental activism. Mm. The earth is delivered when her rulers are raised from the death curse, when all things once again are under the feet in Christ. Um, one of the things uh, he said that I thought was really interesting is he said, that's why live aid was actually more biblical than some of the live earth, you know, things that uh, Earth Day. He says, because live aid, if you remember, their slogan was, we are the world. Hmm. That humanity is is the world, and so we've, uh, you know, secular environmentalism and ideological Darwinism cannot accept that. Uh, they accept that you know that humanity is the offspring of the earth, and and Russ says no, and he correctly. The Bible points to humanity as being the pinnacle of God's creation. So just kind of to, to bring it home, what would you kind of say for us? Maybe just uh, some some of what you've shared. How do we make that practical? How do we kind of live? All right. Out so of that? if you're holding the two tension points and saying this is what Christians should agree on, Earth was created for humans, but humans are responsible to care for the Earth. It means we ought to support reasonable laws that protect the Earth and its resources. I think that's. You know, that's part of, of that stewardship. We should always make sure that they're done under the idea that the world was created for humans and the policy should not um, unnecessarily inflict hardship on the economy and in a way that keeps poor people poor or keeps, you know, just you can just see a lot of things here. And I realize a word like unnecessary is man, there's all kinds of interpretation. What's but but it's still just that, you know, that that tension point where you're like, is this unnecessarily harming the economy? A lot of these strategies get get thrown out there. I mean, they're like, man, that would just demolish the economies of certain not just our nation, but other nations and send people into into a lot of difficulty. We should not attach. Here's the other thing. Let's not attach the church's name to specific policies on either side. Let's have robust dialogue. Um, you know, over coffee and in appropriate places, but let's not attach Jesus's name to anything beyond what Jesus himself actually said or what the Bible says. And to end, since I've quoted a lot from Russ Moore, I'll just 
Let me just use a final paragraph of his that I think wraps it up well. Let's take care of the earth. Let's protect the natural order. But let's remember that the world is not ultimately rescued by politicians or musicians or filmmakers or scientists. It's saved by the man, the Lord Jesus. Our world is saved by blood, not gore. Jesus's blood, not Al Gore. So let's preach him because that's the greatest thing we can do for the earth. That's really good. Well, this has been Ask Me Anything with Russ Moore, who's played today by J.D. Greer. And uh, we hope you'll join us for future episodes. we got to talk about the podcast that you should be listening to. Why? Because they're Lifeway Leadership Podcasts, and Lifeway Leadership Podcasts are by definition amazing. Awesome. And you should listen to all of them. And so the one we wanted to actually talk about today is the One Thing Podcast with Scott Sanders and Derek Hanna. Uh, great podcast. They cover things like handing off ministries, knowing when to say goodbye, growth barriers, uh, really, really, really helpful stuff. Uh, so just look up the one thing on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. If you want more resources from JD, uh, blogs, uh, sermons, articles, all kinds other of good stuff. Other places where I quote lots other, more. <laughs> other places where JD quotes other smarter people. Uh, you can go to his website, jdgrew.com, or you can follow him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we will see you next time on Ask Me Anything. Ask Me Anything.